Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money Your Life podcast. We're on episode 210 of the podcast, 210 this week. Before we get into the episode, make sure you like, subscribe, five-star rate and review wherever you're listening. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the notification bell and subscribe, leave comments because we do this every week. Let's jump right in to this week's information. First, we're going to talk about the market and it's actually been quite exciting. We talked about volatility and, and really just like something to talk about coming back into the market market closing in on highs um right now the S&P 500 is on the brink of reaching 5000 a milestone for the first time ever so that's a another thing that's going on in the market and a lot of it is because earnings have come in and a lot of them have been strong disney did a we'll talk about it later but they did a partnership with epic and that's a stock that hasn't done well over the last year or two uh arm chip maker did well uh, jumped 32% after stronger than expected earnings um, and yields. The 10-year treasury note, um, there they rose a little bit on Thursday, but uh, today, if you're listening to it on Thursday. And so right now, it's, it's a combination of what the Fed is saying and what the earnings are saying. And the earnings have actually been fairly strong for a lot of tech companies. Um, and, and they're actually more surprising because they're beating expectations that were probably a little bit lower based on what we're hearing about 2024 and the slowing down the economy. So a lot of these earnings, at least for the last quarter of, of, of 2023 coming in rather strong. So market is rest, wrestling with fewer rate cuts, uh, than previously expected based on the most recent comments from the fed chair, Jerome Powell, as well as earnings, which, you know, so far this season, 77% as S&P 500 companies have topped earnings expectations. I just talked about how the earnings expectations were a little bit lowered or tempered based on what was going on in the broader economy. And a lot of the companies are beating that. Thus, it's increasing stock prices. So um, 68% have beaten sales forecasts, according to FactSet. Um, and the strong earnings are continuing to push the market higher here, with especially with the mega cap tech um, they've boosted the market in recent session. So if you even look at the chart on a one-week basis, we're getting a lot of earnings over the past week. Stocks are up um, um, almost one and a quarter um, percent over the past five days. Over the past month, it's been about five and a half percent. So again, a big reason for this is, is one, earnings that are coming in a little bit better than expected, um, and they're still pouring in right now. So that's a big big buoy to the, to the market right now. So today it's muted. No big, no, nothing so far. We'll see how it trades the rest of the day. Um, and what's actually jump into the current events of this year week, which was a lot of them. There's a lot of current events that we want to break into. So this story I thought was interesting. It says higher earners get breaks on rent. So rents are coming down um, in some major U.S. markets, but only for the higher earning leases. So the Wall Street Journal is reporting that uh, rental homes and high-end apartment towers in cities such as Austin and Chicago are running promotions, including price breaks and months of free rent in order to keep those units occupied. The same does not apply to lessees on the middle or lower end of the scale whose rents have ticked up 2%. So they're pretty much saying higher-end luxury places, whether they're homes, apartments, are doing promotions to keep leases in there, but if it's a lower end scale or lower end apartment or house, they're not doing the same thing, which is interesting to me. They must want to keep um, top credit borrowers or top credit leases or top credit higher income 
folks in their places rather than have someone as they as the economy starts to you know potentially get shaky they'd rather have someone that has a little bit more earning power a little bit more income versus someone that's probably on the lower end and struggling um and maybe not be able to make payments if things get any worse from they are right now so that's probably i think would be the thinking behind that so um interesting enough let's read dip more into the rental market landscape Surplus of new housing leads to rent reductions in luxury properties with landlords offering discounted move-in deals. That's interesting. That might be also an oversupply of these luxury properties. Uh, people are not as apt. The demand is not there as much. High in rental prices decreased due to increase in apartment construction, as you see, reflecting slower rent growth since 2010. Middle and low-tier apartment rents continue to rise nationally, albeit at a slower pace than during the pandemic. Um, so this is interesting. This is an interesting, you know, kind of crossroads. We'll see if the data continues to reflect this as we go forward. Disney, Disney announced earnings yesterday and they had a big announcement that they made a 1.5 million bet in gaming. So Disney deepened its footprint in gaming and they announced a $1.5 billion stake in Epic Games, which is obviously the maker of Fortnite, which is a very popular game. One of the most popular, if not the most, um, it's up there with, you know, in the top four or five. Uh, so Disney has invested $1.5 in Epic. They're taking a minority foothold in Epic. They also revealed better than expected earnings um, the latest quarter on yesterday, which would have been Wednesday for those listening men. And they're doing significant cost cutting and, um, and they're into digital theme parks and vastly reduced streaming losses. Disney said their streaming losses were $138 million for the December quarter. Though that marked a significant improvement compared to the nearly one billion loss a year earlier. So remember, a lot of these streaming companies, these platforms, they start as a loss leader first. You're, you know, building and shutting out a lot of content it takes a lot of money to produce it if it's original or to buy it and license it if it's not. And then you need subscribers, and so your subscribers, of course, as well as ads, are your revenue. In the beginning, you're putting out a lot of content for there, and you're taking a loss until you build enough subscribers where it starts to break a profit. Um, and then you can keep your fixed costs lower or even cut those fixed costs because the streaming platform, once it's up and running, probably doesn't take that much to keep up and running, right? Um, like at Twitter had a lot, of, they cut their employees by nine tenths and it still works as a website, but, um, you know, he went really, really sl slim with the, with the operation. So you could do that with a lot of some SaaS companies or tech companies or subscriber-based companies. You can really keep, you know... The, the the fixed costs low. And that's, you know, a lot of people don't understand how sole proprietors work or people that manage assets. You can keep your fixed costs virtually at zero, right? Um, and still run a very profitable business. So that's what Disney is trying to do on their streaming side. They said they're going to launch a flagship ESPN streaming service in fall of 2025. It will also have a stake in upcoming sports streaming, sports bundles with Fox and Warner Bros. So this was announced also, I think it was two days ago, that they have a... Uh, Sports streaming super bundle with Fox, Warner Bros, and Warner Bros Discovery. So Fox and Warner Bros Discovery, big, obviously big network players. Disney, they're all going to team up to have one app, it sounds like, that will be able to stream all the license rights to any of these um, network proprietors. Um, so Fox has some NFC games and ESPN has uh, Monday Night. Do they have Monday Night or Sunday Night? They have one of those. So the, now they're trying to create an app where we'll combine all of these and give people a one-stop shop for sports, which is just another thing that we all have to subscribe to. I just got ESPN plus like a year ago or so, and now we have to subscribe to another one. Um, so there's a lot going on. They said they did price hikes to offset their loss of 1.3 million subscribers during the quarter. I think a lot of those subscribers they lost were during the spat they had with Elon Musk. They still have that. Um, 
Yeah, and so they had Taylor Swift's Eras Tour, Eras Tour film exclusively on Disney Plus on March 15th. So it's a lot of interesting stuff. And this is balanced by Netflix having an incredible quarter. Disney saying their quarter was better too, but Netflix had an incredible quarter in their earnings. Um, and Disney's not, if you look at the two stock prices, Netflix has done a lot better than Disney over the last you know six months to a year. It's kind of impressive. So Google's AI chat box gets rebranded. So Google's AI chat box has a new name, Bard, a competitor to Open's AI's ChatGPT. So remember, OpenAI, Microsoft has a big partnership with them. That's ChatGPT is their product. And Google's AI chat box is Bard. But it's now going to be Gemini, the company announced. The rebranded AI assistance can be found on a new Android app as part of Google app on iPhones that is now available to users in more than 150 countries. So their new chat box is being rebranded from Bard, which... I like that they're rebranding it because I don't like the name Bard. <laughs> um, and it's going to be Gemini. Uh, Gemini seems to be the go-to name for some sort of like techie computer-like thing. Um, it's it's usually, it said that Google said that Gemini Advanced is its largest and most capable language model. And it'll be offered at $20 a month. Um, it's capable of drafting emails, doing a bunch of stuff. Bard is the way to talk to kind of stuff. So AI is the big hot thing in tech right now. Everyone is talking about it, trying to understand it, trying to have a piece of it, invest in it, earn from this. So um, getting hip to the tools, getting hip to how it works. Um, I use both Bard, ChatGPT, um, and I guess it's now Gemini and ChatGPT once in a while as well. So understanding these tools are going to be important, especially for the next decade. Um, understanding these language models and how they're they're adapting and just understanding how to use the tools is really all you need to know as an end user, um, as it can help you in any way. And how can it maybe affect your business? It's going to affect a lot of different areas, whether it's healthcare, tech, um, corporate, anything in corporate. It's going to it's going to have an effect. So um, that's going to be important to watch. Let's keep it going. There's a lot of news today. Another one. I keep hearing this. Keep seeing it. Average credit card balances jump ten percent to a record six point three six three hundred sixty. Uh, that should say billion. I'm assuming it's trillion. Is that trillion? It doesn't have a Okay, they don't have a marking there. So, oh, that's the average balance. Gotcha. Okay, the average balance for an individual is 636,000, 6,360. And more consumers are falling behind on payments. So um, the average credit card balance is just the average credit card balance jumps. And it's really a mix of two things that I see is demand for services and products being lessened. Um, you know, jobs being, you know, harder to get for some people. Um, and so now, okay, this is the actual total balance. Now Americans owe 1.08 trillion on their credit cards. The federal reserve bank of New York said balance is up 10% from a year ago. So they're taking the 10 a year ago and they're looking at it, you know, now balance is up 10% from a year ago. This is from a separate report. Um, and so it's really just, again, People, everyone being aware of what their budget is, how they can plan for things while income may be lower for a certain period of time. And, and you know, the same people are spending more, but I think people are actually starting to spend less. I think it's just that the culmination of the past spending that's catching up to everyone. Um, and prices, of course, we've talked about inflation, but inflation is starting to subside. The prices aren't going to go down. But the rate of increase of inflation or the increase of prices are going to start to subside, but the price is already locked in to where they've risen to over the last couple of years. So it's now how much further will they go from there and how can you match your budget to, to withstand that? So um, 
it's it's not all bad news though. People can you know use budget work, tap in, work with different things to to see how you can one get that down um, if, if possible. So not all bad news, folks. Not all bad news in that regard. What else was cooking in the news today? Uber's profit delivery. And there are even New Yorkers that listen to the podcast. They now don't let you tip at the beginning of your Uber Eats delivery. It's pushed to the back. And it's because they increased wages because it was some sort of legislative thing that came down. So they increased wages for the Uber Eats delivery folks and I think the Uber drivers as well. And so now um, they tip at they they give you the option at the back end to tip, but now because they increase wages to more to be more in line with you know a typical wage, it's like hey you can tip, but it's not like really needed. Kind of like when you're actually in an Uber drive Uber car, they're now doing that to Uber Eats. So in case you were confused about that, that's a tip that I didn't know. Some of the delivery folks will tell you that they are not getting the tips from Uber, but I've heard from asked another delivery guys like is that true are you guys getting the tips he said it's true we are getting the tips i don't know why some people say that this is for my new york people only um just so you know to keep that in the back of your mind dartmouth brings back standardized testing says it's saying it helps applicants with lower income so dartmouth became the first ivy league school to bring back standardized testing admissions requirements it's been four years since the pandemic shut down centers prompted thousands of schools to make the sat i didn't know the sat and act was optional <laughs> That's well, okay. So you guys are just hearing this. I did not know the ACT and SAT were optional for four years, which is kind of incredible uh, to think about. But now schools reckon with questions around legacy applicants, Supreme Court rulings against affirmative action. They're rethinking their admissions criteria, and Dartmouth is bringing it back. I'm assuming other schools will follow suit. Nearly 90% of students from wealthy families go to college, compared to 65% from middle income families and around 50% for families with low income. That's interesting. So it seems to still be a trend within the wealthy, right? Going to college, getting that education, understand how to be on your own. It's like a testing board before you go out on your own, mingling with other people that may be doing things similar to you, networking, getting a job. It's still, still needed, especially at the undergraduate level. And I believe at the MBA level as well, if you want to do something in business per, per, per se, that was one of the biggest buoys in my career was getting an MBA and leaving Iowa and going to somewhere where I could flourish and understand the competition and what was around me. So um, that's interesting to bring back. I wonder if other schools will follow suit um, and how this is going to affect admissions. So he said standardized testing gives lower income applicants a leg up by evaluating test scores of students' high school and mine. It says it's easier to identify high performers from less resource communities. Okay. I mean, if that's the reason, that makes sense to me, right? If someone's blowing the test out of the water, even without the resources that they have, they would have had at a better high school. They know that person's gifted. That that makes sense to me. Um, but are they getting the resources still and the opportunities is a big question. So we'll see. We'll see what other schools do. If they follow suit, um, that's going to be not something that I want to keep an eye on. Snap doing layoffs. You've heard about that. Estee Lauder doing layoffs as well. Some other companies are restructuring. You're going to see a lot of that in 2024. Um, this year, the Super Bowl is taken to the most expensive on record, averaging 10K a piece. I don't know if you guys are watching it, keeping score 10K a piece for Super Bowl tickets on average. The suites, some of the suites are going for $2.5 million or something. They said it's just a crazy, it's a corporate event from what I'm hearing. It's not even a consumer event. It's a corporate event in Vegas. With that said, I'm giving my pick. I think I gave it a while ago. The Kansas City Chiefs taking another one. Patrick Mahomes, our folks over there, they're going to take another one. It's just got to happen. It's just got to happen. That's just going to happen. 
Well, folks, that's all for the news. Let's jump into questions there. There was a lot of interesting ones. I want to touch as many as we can. I got three or four of them. When we're talking about the Super Bowl, how much has Taylor Swift's impacted by how much has Taylor Swift impacted the brand value of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL? I already know the number because someone did a report and they put it on IG. So I want you to guess what the number is. I know the NFL number. I don't know the Chiefs, but it's got to be a good benefit to the Chiefs as well. Um, they're saying the brand value of the Chiefs in NFL increased $331 million. That's the number I saw. $331 million. So Taylor Swift, as you know, is dating Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, um, and she's at most of the games, if not all. And she is really booing, booing and bringing a new audience to football. The girlies, the girlies, they're, they're watching now. I guess the Taylor Swifties, um, they're watching, they're paying attention. She's in, in, influencing the brand um, in a ways that none that the, the, all the owner viewership of the games this year were heavily increased because of her her brand value and her just being a glimpse of the I guess the glimpse of her on the screen. So um, that's a huge number. It's no joke. She's one of the biggest artists in the world, but possibly ever. What is the cost of a thirty second Super Bowl ad? So it always increases every year. It seems like I already know this number too because I saw it already uh, from another thing. The cost for 30 second ad is seven million. So seven million for 30 seconds. It's gonna be a huge you got the most people watching this. The, it's like the biggest most watched thing ever, every year. Um, especially in the US domestically. And seven million dollars will get you 30 seconds on that screen. Um was what was last year? I'm trying to find his last year's number. With that said, we have Usher, my favorite artist of all time, which me and my fiance are gonna to go to his concert when he comes to New York. In September, but the performers do something crazy where they don't get paid to perform the halftime show. There's a great tweet by Joe Pompey breaks it down in the thread of how they actually will sometimes put up their own money to do the production. They get Apple gives 50 million for production, uh, 50 million budget for the whole halftime, 15 to 20 that goes to the production of the show. Um, and it's split between obviously all the people that dances, background stage, production, all the stuff that goes into it. Um, and the artists will actually shell out potentially some of their own millions to do the production. So it's a great show. And then, of course, they're going to sell albums. Alshair has an album coming out, like, maybe tomorrow. Um, and also is doing a tour because all those things will increase those things on the back end for him. So the the math makes sense after even if he doesn't get paid for the actual, you know, 13-minute, you know, concert. But it's the brand value that he gets afterwards that's actually incredible. So um, great tweet if you guys find it. It really breaks down how it's done. Last question, being that it is Black History Month, what is the largest Black-owned business based on revenue sales? I don't know. I'm going to guess it's something in, and this is not, I saw a company that did well in alcohol, but I know that some companies done well in infrastructure. Okay, yeah, Worldwide Technology, WWT, founded by David Stewart with $11.2 billion in revenue. Okay. It's a logistics company. For more, His company provides logistics for more than 45% of Fortune 500 companies. Interesting. It's a logistics company that does more than 45% of Fortune 500 companies. So it's, a, it's interesting. The founder, David Stewart, has grown WWT to 5,000 employees. Um, interesting. Never heard of them. Never heard of the company, but really locked in now. That's really, really quite remarkable. Um, okay. Love that. With that, what a way to end, folks. That's this week's Your Money Life podcast. Make sure you tap in, share with family and friends. As always, we will see you next week.